Wassalatu wassalam ala abdillahi wa rasulih Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in How are you guys doing today? Very good? Alhamdulillah Today insha'Allah ta'ala we have a new topic But it's just a one-off topic That means that what we're going to talk about today We're just going to talk about it for today And we're going to finish the topic today what we're going to talk about today, inshallah, is why is it important to learn about your religion? And there's a reason why I want to talk about this today, and I'll tell you about that reason, inshallah, at the end of the class. So I want to ask you, start off by asking you guys what you know about this topic. Why is it important to know and learn? The religion of Islam. I don't mean just to know that you're Muslim. I mean, you know you're Muslim, right? You didn't think you were coming to church today. Everybody knew they came to the masjid, right? Okay, good. All right. So you knew you were Muslim. That's fine. But I mean, why is it important to actually really know your religion properly? You were the first one to put your hand up, Habibi. Very good. Wallah, your answer is amazing, mashallah. What, what was the answer? When you die and you go into your grave, there are going to come to you two angels and those angels are going to be extremely scary. Extremely scary. And their names are Munkar and Nakir. Very scary. And they're going to force you to sit up and they're going to say, Marabbuk, who is your Lord? Wamadinuk, what is your religion? Who was this man that was sent to you? So you better have an answer for the question that you're going to be asked. That's good. I like that. Yalla Habib, you had that answer. Very good, I like that. So somebody might ask you a question, not just in the grave, I mean like in your life. Someone who's not maybe Muslim might come and ask you a question about, the, about Islam or about why you're a Muslim. That's a very good answer. Yes, Habibi. And you need to learn about your religion because you don't know if Very good, I like that answer a lot. Wallah, you guys given good answers today. That if you don't learn your religion, you won't know if you are doing the right thing or the wrong thing How will you know if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing If you don't know your religion properly How many people are there They are Muslim They are living their lives as Muslims But they don't know what they're doing is wrong Because they didn't bother to learn their religion They didn't make an effort to learn their religion I like that And from this is the statement of Allah About Al-Akhsarina A'mala the people who lose the most in their deeds. Do you know who loses the most? The people who they work so hard, they do so much effort, but all of their effort is wasted. They thought they were doing something good, 
but they didn't have knowledge. So they didn't know the difference between what was good and what was bad. So they did what was bad. They thought it was good. They came on the day of judgment and they thought, I'm just going to get a big palace in Jannah. Okay, where's my palace? There's no palace for you. Because you didn't do the right thing, but you just thought you were doing it. You thought you were doing something good. You thought you were doing something good. I'll give you, you want to hear an example of that, which is a crazy example. You want to hear an example of that, which is a, you cannot understand this. It's really strange. You know Ali ibn Abi Talib. You know Ali, the son-in-law of the Prophet ﷺ and his cousin Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali ibn Abi Talib, the fourth of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, the fourth of the rightly guided caliphs that came after the Prophet ﷺ. There was a man, he murdered Ali ibn Abi Talib. He killed him. Yeah, he killed him. That's not the strange thing. I'm going to tell you what was strange. What was strange is he thought Allah was going to give him Jannah for it. He killed Ali ibn Abi Talib when Ali came out from the Fajr prayer. And he prayed Fajr, he killed him at Fajr time. And he thought what he did was so good that Allah was going to give him a place above all of the other people on the Day of Judgment. Even some of the people, they praised him and they said, I don't think anyone will be in a higher place than this man. You killed the fourth of the rightly guided Khulafa. You killed the cousin of the Prophet You killed his son-in-law. You killed someone who was promised Jannah and you think you are going to go to the highest place in Jannah? La, Ali radiallahu anhu is going to go to Jannah and where are you going to go? There is only one other location. If you're not in Jannah, it's the other one. So my point is that without knowledge, you might think that what you're doing is good, but what you're doing is not good. Yes, Mubin. You won't learn from your mistakes because you won't even realize you made mistakes. I want to apologize to the girls today that I don't have a connection for the girls today. Um, so that's my apology to the girls today that I can't hear your answers. But inshallah, you can try and you know, give the answers in your head and, and say the answers to each other and see if you get the answer right. Nuh. So that you do the right thing. I like that. So you do the right thing. So you do the right thing. Yes, Habib. to appreciate what the prophets and the messengers went through. Okay, I've got something else on top of that. You can't worship Allah unless you know him. You can't worship Allah without knowledge. And that's why Allah said, Allahu alladhi khalaqa sab'a samawatin wa min al-ardi mithlahun yatanazzalu al-amru baynahunna li ta'lamu anna allaha ala kulli shay'in qadir wa anna allaha qad ahata bi kulli shay'in ilma. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens, seven of them. And he created the earths like that. And all of the commands and the decrees that Allah made, all of it happened so you know Allah. That is able to do all things and that Allah has surrounded everything with his knowledge. What does that tell us? The whole of the heavens and the earth, everything you can see, 
go outside, whatever you can see, it was created so you know Allah. It was created so you can know Allah. You were created to know Allah and worship Him. You can't worship Him unless you know Him. If you don't know Him, how will you worship what you don't know? Go on. You can't really proudly say you're a Muslim and not know what a Muslim is. But that's the state of many people. You're right, many people, they are in that situation where they are proud to be a Muslim, but to be honest, if you said to them something from Islam, they find it strange. The Prophet ﷺ said, Bada al Islamu gariban wa sayaudu gariban kama bada. He said, Islam started as something strange. How did Islam start strange? What was strange about Islam in the beginning? Islam started strange and it will go back to being strange. How did Allah, how did Islam start as being strange? Anas. Okay, nobody knew anything about Islam. That's, that's true, but it's something a, bit, a little bit more than that. Not just that people didn't know about Islam. Yes, Muhammad. Uh, people didn't practice it. Yeah, people didn't practice it. Yes, Yusuf. Yeah, that, that you're nearly there, but still not quite. Like, so what you're saying is that Many things came in Islam that were strange to the people. Like the people used to drink alcohol and Islam came and told them not to. But what was the strangest thing for them in Islam? It wasn't not drinking alcohol. It wasn't praying five times a day. What was the thing that they found it so strange? They found it... They found it so, so strange. Yes, Abdurrahman. Not praying. They found it the most strange thing ever. Yes. Yes, you. What about the religion? What was the thing that they found the most strange? Yes. Is it that the Quran and it was written in Arabic, so they probably didn't know, um, you know, like... No, it wasn't the Quran in Arabic that they found strange. They found something so strange, they said, Inna hadha la shay'un ujab. This is the strangest thing we ever heard. Yes. Okay, what about Allah? They found the strangest thing that Allah is? One. They said... Has he took, turned all of the gods into one god? The strangest thing they found in Islam, they couldn't understand one god. Because those people, what did they used to worship before Islam? Oh, a lot of people know the answer to this question. Who have I not heard from? Yes, Habibi. What false gods did they used to worship? What type of false gods were they? Were... Ooh, yes Idols They used to worship statues and idols 
And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came and he said to the people, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Say Allah is one. And he said, يَا قَوْمِ قُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ تُفْلِحُوا My people say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ Say there is only one God that should be worshipped. Allah. And the people said, this is very strange. He's getting rid of all of our idols. He doesn't believe in idols. This is very strange. Why has he made that there is no more idols, no more gods, just one God? That was so strange to them. Islam started strange. And Islam will go back to being strange. How will Islam go back to being strange? And I believe that it's, it's happened in this time, but it's getting worse. But even in this time, Islam has become something strange. In, it's become something very strange. Yes, Habib. Was he made for but we're talking about now, today. Why do people find Islam strange today? I mean, like, if you practice Islam and you go outside, why do people find... I'm not talking about non-Muslims. Even Muslims find Islam strange. Ooh, who's going to give me an answer? We got answer from go on you still having here for me. I like that Yusuf got exactly the right answer. Hundred percent, he got the right answer. If you follow the Quran and the Sunnah, people see you something strange. Maybe they even call you names. Like, what is this? You're extreme. Five, you pray five times a day. What's, who does that? I'll tell you a story, a true story, and I, the brother will not, I will not mention the brother's name, but he told me. His son goes to school. In the school, he told the teacher, my son needs to pray in school. The teacher said, do you know how many hundred Muslims we have in this school, and nobody ever asked for their children to pray? Islam came back to being strange. Actually, every Muslim parent in that school should have asked for their children to pray. But subhanAllah, according to that teacher, nobody asked for the children to pray except one person in the whole school of Muslims. Only one single parent said, my child needs to pray. Islam became strange. Islam became strange. Look, you get older, you grow your beard. People look at you like, what are you doing? This is weird. You look strange. You see, how do you think the Prophet looked? The Prophet was clean shaven? No, the Prophet had a big beard. It's weird. It became strange. Islam became something strange for people. When you practice Islam in front of people, they even look at you like, oh, this is strange. We don't know this. I've got a lot of Muslim friends, none of them do what you do. That kind of thing, right? Islam became strange and it's getting stranger. Do you know how strange Islam will become? It will become so strange that people will not understand La ilaha illallah. They will say, my dad and my granddad used to say it and I say it but I don't know what it means. And if I tell you that there are countries in the world where this already happened, 
I have personally been to countries where people are Muslim and they don't know any single thing about the religion, nothing at all, except Salamu Alaikum. I said, Salamu Alaikum, Wa Alaikum Salam. I said, my brother, what are you doing? It's like, I'm, 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 I'm Muslim. What's a Muslim? I don't know, but my dad was Muslim and my granddad was Muslim, so that's what I am. Islam became something strange. Like it was strange before. Fatuba lil Paradise is for who? Who is paradise for? Not in the hadith. You're right, but not in the hadith. In the hadith, Islam started as something strange. And it will go back to being something strange. Paradise is for the? <laughs> for the strangers. The people who are strange. Jannah is for the people who are? Strange, not strange as in like weird, as in strange that they are practicing Islam, but people find it strange because they are practicing Islam. And those will be the people of Jannah. Because when the Prophet practiced Islam, وسلم, the people thought he was strange. And when the Sahaba practiced Islam, the people thought that they were strange. And now if you practice Islam, many people, even Muslims, will think that you are strange. Fatuba lil Paradise is for the people who are strange. Okay, let's talk a little bit about our topic. Allah Azza wa Jal told us that He will raise up the level of the people of knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu idha qila lakum tafassahu fil majalisi fafsahu yafsahillahu lakum. وَإِذَا قِيلَ انْشُزُوا فَانْشُزُوا يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتٍ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Allah will raise up those who believe and those people who have knowledge many levels. So Allah is going to give much higher level in paradise to the people who have knowledge Versus the people who don't have knowledge. So the people who have knowledge, Allah is going to give them a much higher place in paradise. Do we want a higher place in paradise? Or we just want to be the lowest one, bottom of the list, last one in the door? No, we want to have the high place in paradise. We want to have Al-Firdaus Al-A'la Min Al-Jannah. May Allah give you and I Al-Firdaus Al-A'la Min Al-Jannah. And may Allah make you and I from those people who enter Jannah without any punishment and without any account. That's what we want. We don't want to be the last person in the door who just got in before the door closed. We want to be in the high places of paradise. For this you have to have knowledge. Allah is going to raise your level up because you have knowledge. But I want to ask a question. And you guys know the answer to this already But I'm going to ask it as a test in you Okay Is it enough just to have knowledge That Allah will give you a high place in paradise Just because you have knowledge Or do you need something to go with that knowledge Anas I think I saw you the first one to put your hand up Um, 
You have to be a Muslim. Okay, let's just say you are you're Muslim and you have knowledge. Is that enough? No. What I mean? You need to act upon it. You need to practice it. The only knowledge Allah accepts is the knowledge you put into practice. The only knowledge that Allah accepts is the knowledge you put into practice. Otherwise, maybe somebody comes to the class, they learn about Islam, they become knowledgeable, but when you see them, they don't do the things that they know. They don't do what they know. And so that knowledge, it's what for them? A punishment for them, not a blessing for them, right? Because Allah punishes them because they had knowledge, but they didn't do what they were, what they knew. Okay. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get Jannah. I'm going to tell you, don't worry. Then I'm going to ask you later. I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to ask you. The easiest way to get Jannah. There was a man called Kathir ibn Qais. And he was sitting in the masjid in Damascus. Do you know where Damascus is? Damascus? It's in Syria. It's the capital of Syria. In Asham. And he was in Damascus in the capital of Syria and he was sitting in the masjid and he was sitting with a companion whose name was Abu Darda in the masjid of Dimashq and a man came to him and he said Ya Abu Darda he said Oh Abu Darda جئتك من مدينة الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لحديث بلغني أنك تحدث به وأنك تحدث عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, I've come all the way from Medina. I came from where? Medina. From Medina to Damascus is not a short trip, and he didn't fly. How do we know he didn't fly? Because he lived in the time of Abu Darda, there was no aeroplanes, okay? He traveled by camel or he walked from Medina in Saudi Arabia, which is now in Saudi Arabia, all the way to Damascus in Syria. He said, I only came because I want to hear one hadith from you. I heard you know a hadith and I want to ask you about it. He said, ma jitu lihaja. He said, I didn't come for any other reason. There's no reason I came to you. I just want to hear a hadith from you. That's it. Abu Darda, he asked him, he said, did you come for some business and you just came to see me on the side? And you came for business and then you came to see me. He said, no. He said, you came for something else and then you came to see me. He said, no. You only came just for a hadith, only for a hadith. I came all the way from Medina to Damascus. And I just came for one hadith that I heard that you know the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said it. Abu Darda, he said, Man salaka tariqan yatlubu fihi ilman, salaka Allahu bihi tariqan min turuq al-jannah. 
He said, whoever sets out on a path for knowledge, Allah will take him on a path to Jannah. In another narration, He's going to take his path to Jannah easy, easy. Jannah will be easy for him. What does he have to do? He has to go out on a path for knowledge. He has to go out for knowledge. Didn't you guys come out of your house today to, to learn about Islam? You did, right? You came out of your house today to learn about Islam. Those people who came out of their house to learn about Islam, those people who came out of their house to learn about Islam, Allah makes their path to Jannah easy. Easy for them to go to Jannah. But that's not the only thing. That's not the only thing. He said, وَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةِ لَتَضَعُ أَجْنِحَتَهَا رِضًا لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ He said, the angels, when they see somebody who is learning about Islam, they lower their wings out of happiness, out of pleasure. They're so happy that the person is learning about Islam, they put their wings down. Because they are so happy about what that person is doing. You don't know, maybe you came out of your house today and every time you pass by the angel, the angel put down their wings because they are so happy that you went to learn about your religion. You don't know. Then he said, that's not the only thing. He said, the scholar, Everything in the heavens and the earth Ask Allah to forgive them Even the fish in the sea How many fish are in the sea? Billions and billions and billions of fish in the sea All those fish All the time they are swimming They are saying Oh Allah forgive the scholar Oh Allah forgive the scholar Oh Allah forgive the scholar They are asking Allah to forgive The scholar Everything in the heavens and the earth Even the fish in the sea وَإِنَّ فَضْلَ الْعَالِمِ عَلَى الْعَابِدِ كَفَضْلِ الْقَمَرِ لَيْلَةَ الْبَدْرِ عَلَى سَائِلِ الْكَوَاكِبِ And the, the, the status of the scholar over the worshipper is like the difference of the moon against the stars when it's full. So I want to explain this to you a little bit. Who did the Prophet ﷺ compare? He compared two people. One of them is scholar. The other one is a worshipper. Now I want you to think about something that's very important here. The Prophet is comparing the worshipper, the one who spends all day praying and fasting and he spends the night praying and giving charity, not the person who's a bad Muslim. He's not comparing the scholar and the bad Muslim. He's comparing the scholar and the one who spends his life worshipping Allah. Which one is better? The scholar or the one who spends all the time praying and fasting and giving charity? Which one is better, Mubin? No. In fact, the scholar is so much better. The scholar is like the full moon. And the person who's praying all day and night is like the tiny speck in the sky. Why is that though? What makes the scholar good? They have knowledge. But that on its own doesn't make it, doesn't really make it what's good. What do you think still, Akram? They act upon it and what else do they do? 
What makes them like the moon? Why are they like the moon? Muhammad. They, they, teach, other they teach other people. That worshipper doesn't teach anybody anything. He comes to the masjid and he prays. Alhamdulillah. He goes out, he gets his money, he gives sadaqah. Alhamdulillah. The daytime comes, he fasts. Alhamdulillah. But he doesn't benefit anybody else. He benefits who? Himself. He does a great thing for himself. And inshallah, he will get a very high place in Jannah for himself. But he doesn't do anything for anybody else. The scholar, subhanAllah, may be a hundred thousand people that will pray and fast because of that person. Because of Allah and then that person. Do you understand? That the person who is the worshipper, whatever they do, even if they pray all day and night, but they're still the only person who is praying is just one person. But the scholar, if they teach the people how to pray, what's going to happen? Now maybe 100,000 people will pray all day and all night. So which one is better? The scholar is better than the worshipper. Now if that's the difference between the scholar and the worshipper, what is the difference between the scholar and the person who doesn't even practice Islam? You cannot even compare it. You can't even imagine how different those two people are. And that's not the end of it. The Prophet ﷺ said, وَإِنَّ الْعُلَمَاءَ وَرَثَةُ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ وَإِنَّ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ لَمْ يُوَرِّثُوا دِينَارًا وَلَا دِرْهَمًا وَلَكِنْ وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ Or he said, وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ بِحَظٍّ وَاثِرٍ he said, the scholars inherit from the prophets. Do you know what inheriting means? When someone dies, you pass on to the, to the next person. Yeah? When somebody dies and they pass their things to the next person. The Prophet ﷺ, when he died, who did he pass on responsibility to? Nobody can be a prophet, right? After him. You can't be a prophet, but there were some people together, they took the responsibility of what the prophet used to do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they do the same thing what the prophet used to do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who are those people? His companions, yes, but out of them, which one is the one who is really taking that responsibility on themselves? Go on. Abu Bakr, good. Who or what was Abu Bakr? Why did, what did he have? Anas. Knowledge. knowledge. The people of knowledge are the ones who took it on. The Prophet said, the scholars inherit the prophets. He said the prophets never left gold and silver. Did the Prophet Muhammad leave a bag of gold and silver to be shared out for his family? No. He didn't leave any gold and silver to be given and say, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. He didn't give, he didn't leave anything. When he died, his daughter Fatima was still alive, radiallahu anha. Did she get gold and silver from him? She didn't get from him. All the Prophet left behind was knowledge. So whoever takes it has taken a big share of good. They've taken a big share of good. They've got a big, a very, very, very good thing they have taken. You can't take gold from the Prophet. 
sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You can't take silver from him. These days there is nothing of his that is still around. There is no clothing, there is no hair, there is no plates and, and cups. They are not there anymore. The only thing the Prophet left, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that you can take it today, right now you can take it, is knowledge. So when you take knowledge, you're doing the job of the Prophets, alayhi salatu Allah told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to ask for knowledge. Does anyone know the dua to ask for more knowledge? Rabbi zidni ilma. Oh, you knew, so I didn't see you, so I'm sorry, I didn't see you over on the side. Rabbi zidni ilma. My Lord, give me more knowledge. Who said this dua? Who was told to say it? No, it wasn't Musa. I was thinking it's in it's in Surah Taha, so you confused me for a second. I thought your right, your surah is right, but your the Prophet was told to say to ask for more knowledge. Yes, Mubin. Okay, no. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu who had the most knowledge out of all of the people? Allah. No, I'm not talking about Allah, I'm talking about people, people, human beings. Which human being had the most knowledge? The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu correct Yusuf, very good. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu had the most knowledge. And what was, he, what was he told to ask for? To ask for more knowledge. He had the most knowledge and he was told to ask for more knowledge. That means you can never have enough knowledge. You always are looking for more and more and more knowledge. Okay. I'm going to read you an ayah and you're going to tell me what the ayah means. Allah said, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ وَالدَّوَابِّ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ كَذَلِكَ إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ غَفُورٌ Allah said, Among people and creatures and the, the animals that you keep, the farm animals that you keep, there are many different colors. The only ones who fear Allah are the people of knowledge. Allah is Azizun, Almighty, and Allah is Ghafoor. Who is going to explain this ayah to me? I'm going to read it to you in English one more time. Among people and all the people and the creatures and the farm animals, there are different colors. The only one who fears Allah are the scholars, the people of knowledge. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ The only people who really fear Allah are the people of knowledge. Hmm. Go on. Hmm. 
So because the scholars have knowledge and they know what Allah told them is going to happen, the day of judgment and everything, so they have more, they, have, they are more scared of Allah than anyone else. And nobody else is really scared of Allah except the people who have knowledge. Excellent. Very, very good. Very good. There is another hadith I want you to explain for me. Explain to me. For me, to me. Which is the hadith of Muawiyah radiallahu an. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man yuridillahu bihi khayra yufaqihu fiddeen. Whoever Allah wants good for, he gives him knowledge of the religion. Whoever Allah wants good for, he gives him knowledge of the religion. So they're going to get a higher place in Jannah and they will fear Allah more and they'll be more scared of Allah and they will become from the people of knowledge because Allah wants good for them. So a sign that Allah wants good for someone is that he gives them knowledge. Does Allah give knowledge to everybody? No. So if Allah gives you knowledge, that's a sign that Allah wants good for you. Man bihi khayra. But knowledge of what? Knowledge of medicine, right? If Allah wants good for you, He gives you knowledge of medicine. No? What does He give knowledge of? Your religion. Medicine is not a bad thing. Don't, I'm not saying anything wrong with it. But don't think that the word knowledge means every knowledge. The only knowledge which we're talking about today is deen. It gives them knowledge of His religion. That's the knowledge that benefits. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about now I want to talk something a little bit now with you for about Maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes I want to talk to you about how a person should seek knowledge Now that's a big topic and I'm not going to cover everything about it today I just want to cover some things of it How do you learn your religion? Now I know you've been saying you come to your classes And I know you come to your, your kids class MashaAllah you guys do amazing And all the people who are watching at home You do fantastic MashaAllah You guys come, you pay attention, you listen and you learn MashaAllah But I want to tell you a few things I'm going to ask you a question But just for now, put your hands down The first thing that you need to understand If you're going to learn knowledge of your religion Is that knowledge needs commitment It needs effort you can't get knowledge by just giving a little bit of your time. You need to give more of your time and you need to work very, very hard to get it. And I'll give you a reason why. If, if knowledge makes the path to Jannah easy, okay? And knowledge makes you fear Allah and knowledge gives you a higher place in Jannah. Does that mean knowledge is worth something or not? It's worth something, right? It's very expensive, it's very valuable. It's very valuable. And anything which is valuable, you have to work hard for it. 
It doesn't come for free. You can't just sit down and go to sleep and I'll wake up and I get knowledge. And then I will just go downstairs and relax and play my games and I'll get knowledge. If you want knowledge, you have to work hard for it. Because you're going to get a high place in Jannah, inshallah, from that knowledge. So you have to work very, very hard for it. That's the first thing I want to share with you. The second thing that I want to share with you is, and on that first topic, before I do the second thing, there is a famous statement, some of the scholars, they said, if you give knowledge everything you have, it will give you something back. And if you give knowledge something that you have, it will give you nothing at all. Who can explain this to me? If you give knowledge everything you have, if you give knowledge everything you have, it will give you something back. And if you give knowledge something that you have, it will not give you anything back at all. I don't want to take the same person answering questions. You're answering for yourself or you're answering for Telegram? No. Kids class, you have to be under the age of whatever the, the biggest age is here. You have to be under the age of 15 or 14 or whatever it is. Someone answer this to me. Answer me. Answer this for me. My words are all coming out wrong today. Answer for me. If you give knowledge everything you have, it will give you something back. If you give knowledge something that you have, it will give you nothing at all. Who is going to answer this question for me? Go on. So what does knowledge give you? Nothing. But if you give everything, then knowledge will give you something back. So knowledge is like very hard to take out. For example, if you think about like mining gold, yeah? You are taking gold out of the ground. You have to dig a lot of rocks to get a little bit of gold. And if you just tap a few rocks, you don't get anything at all. It's like that. You have to give all your effort and your time and your energy for knowledge and you'll get something back. But if you only just do a little bit of work, maybe in all of those little few rocks you tap, there's no gold at all. Okay? Now someone might say, but I've got a job, or I've got study, or I've got school, or I've got family, or I've got, I've, I'm, I've got stuff to do. That's true. But whenever you have free time, you give your time to knowledge about Islam. And if you do that, you will get something back. But if it's the case that nine times out of ten you're playing games, and one time out of ten you're getting knowledge, you just get a very, very small amount of knowledge. I give you another example you can understand. You guys look at this bookcase over here. Don't worry, on YouTube you can't see it, but it's, there's a big bookcase over here. Look at the bookcase over here. How long will it take you to read all of those books? No, no, realistically. Realistically, let's just say on each bookshelf, there are, let's just, let's just approximate, there are 20 volumes. No, maybe not that. Maybe there are, maybe there are 15. On each bookshelf there are 15 volumes. How long will it take you to read one of those books from beginning to end? Just one volume from beginning to end. How long do you think? Five days? 
To read the whole, I'll give you the book now, you see how fast you read. How long will it take you? No, it won't take you a year. Let's just say, put your hands down. Let's just say, for example, there's 15 books on that shelf. Okay? And each book takes you 10 days to read. Okay? That's easy, okay? So it's 150 days. Okay? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Let's just say there are 20 shelves there. That's 3,000 days. Okay? There's another bookshelf exactly the same over there. That's 6,000 days. Okay? We're getting on for almost 20 years. These books, I'm going to tell you something, are not even the basics of Islam. Are all there. Not even the most basic things. We don't even have a book for all the basic things. Many are there, but not every single basic thing about Islam is there. So what will happen if you read one book a year? <laughs> so now let's hope that you have 3,000 years left to live. Or 6,000 years left to live. It will just be a little bit. No, it won't be the size of a nut. You'll have knowledge, but you'll only have a little bit. And if you work all day, how, let's just say for example, follow me, follow me here. Let's just say for example, that one of you lives for 50 years Okay And every single day you start You are reading those books And you are reading and reading and reading You still won't finish By the time your life finishes But You will have a lot of knowledge And that's the meaning That if you give knowledge everything It will give you Something And if you give knowledge something It won't give you anything At all Okay, the second thing I want to share with you guys Knowledge is based on two things You have to have them both Al-Hifdhu wal-Fahm Memorizing and understanding What happens if you memorize and you don't understand? Who can tell me? If you memorize and you don't understand What will happen? You do the wrong things. You're right. Yeah, you're right about that. You do do the wrong things. What? Now. You've memorized everything, but you have no idea what those things mean. And so you become like what example? Like the example of the donkey that carries books. I can bring a donkey. I can bring the donkey downstairs and I can take all these books and I can start loading these books on the donkey. Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, Tafsir of the Quran, Tafsir al-Tabari on the donkey. You know the donkey has a satchel, like big satchel, and the donkey is carrying all the books. I can take the seerah of the Prophet on the donkey. And the donkey can carry a lot of knowledge. But when we get out in the street, I say to the donkey, What's the dua for leaving the masjid? What does the donkey say? It doesn't say anything Because the donkey doesn't understand It just carries the books It doesn't understand the books It just carries them Yeah? It doesn't understand them It just carries them If you want a modern example Let me give you an example Google for example 
how many millions of Islamic books are stored there. But it doesn't understand them. It searches for words. You type in Muslim, it brings you Muslim. You type in Dua, it brings you Dua. It doesn't understand anything. It just carries it. It doesn't understand it. Now what about the other example? What about if you understand but you don't memorize anything? That's true, but I'm talking about the other way now. What about if you, what about if you understand, you really understand, but you haven't memorized it? It's not in your memory. It's just you understand it, but it's not in your memory. What do you think? You have an idea? Um, if you're like, you know, you're understanding, it's maybe like I like that. That's really good. What you said is really good. Your understanding will fade away Why? Because you're a person If the book is in your hands You understand And if the book is not in your hands You don't understand So what will you do tomorrow If you lose your donkey? <laughs> to give an example You put Sahih al-Bukhari on your donkey You put the Muslim You put all of the books The tafsir, everything You put it on your donkey Your donkey went Now what will you do? Now what are you going to do? You don't know anything. You're like, I don't know anything. I don't know any du'as about anything. I don't know how to read anything because I'm a person. If the book is in my hand, I understand it really well. But if you take the book away from my hand, I'm not going to understand anything at all. What are you going to do if you're teaching from your iPad and the battery dies? My dear brothers in Islam, today we are going to study the importance of charging your battery. Because he doesn't know what to say. Right? Because it's not in here. There is a statement, I, not serious, there's a statement the scholar says very beautiful. I want you to explain it to me. They said the only thing which is really knowledge is what you take into the bathroom. Hmm. Stranger, the only thing which is really knowledge is what you take into the bathroom. It's a tough one to explain that one. No, 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 no. It's simple, simple. What don't you take into the bathroom? The Quran, the Mus'haf, the book, right? What else don't you take into the bathroom? A book. He means that the knowledge is in your heart What goes into the bathroom with you? The knowledge which is in your heart Goes in with you Your books don't go in the bathroom with you You don't take your books in the bathroom So he said If your knowledge doesn't come in the bathroom with you It's not knowledge Meaning if your knowledge is in Books Do you understand what he means? If your knowledge is in a book It's not knowledge if your knowledge is inside of a book, it's not knowledge. The knowledge is the knowledge which is in your head. I'm going to give you a really good example of this. Many times, things happen to you unexpectedly. Okay? 
things happen to you, surprise. You were not wait, you were not expecting it to happen. In that case, you don't have a book ready. Right? Somebody comes to you and it's like, look, there's an emergency, this happened. Oh, one minute. Run to the book and you start looking for your answer. No, you can't do that. The knowledge is what you carry in your heart. And that's why there's an evidence from the Quran. This evidence from the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm going to read you the ayah and I want you guys to tell me where, what the evidence is. I want you guys to tell me. It's in Surah Al-Ankabut. And I want, if you can explain this to me, I'll be very happy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ وَمَا يَجْحَدُ بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَّا الظَّالِمُونَ بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ This Qur'an is a series of clear ayat, clear, clear evidences, clear ayat in the hearts of the people who've been given knowledge. This Qur'an is clear ayat in the hearts of the people who have been given knowledge or in the chest of the people who've been given knowledge. The knowledge helps you, okay, good. It's going to be clear if you understand it. No, it's easier than that. Yeah, go on. Um, that, that you will only understand it if it's, if, if, if it's actually memorized and it's in your heart at the time. You'll only understand it if you memorized it. That's true. But I just wanted you to think about this. What You are right. What you said, you're all, you're all what you said is right. But think of it like this. Allah didn't describe the Quran as being in the Mus'haf, as being, it, these are ayat which are written down on a page. Where did he say the ayata? Fi In the hearts of the people who've been given knowledge. So the knowledge that the Quran is not what is is not on a paper any. That's not what is important. What's important is it was kept in people's hearts. And that tells you that memorizing it is more important than many people realize. Okay. Memorization and understanding. The next thing I'm going to tell you, and in five minutes we're going to finish, inshallah. The next thing I want to tell you about knowledge is, Islam is huge. Agreed? Look at all these books. Islam is so much to learn. So much to learn. Is it possible somebody could keep all these books in their memory? Not realistically. No, there are people. It's said about Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, that he used to have to cover up one page when he's reading a book with his hand because everything that his eye set on, he memorized. And if he didn't cover the page, his eyes used to, he used to mix it because he used to memorize everything that his eye saw. But most people are not like that. Most people are not like that. Most of us, we can't memorize everything. So we need to have a very clever way of making Islam simple and breaking it down into pieces. 
So the very first thing we're going to do to break Islam down into pieces is we're going to break Islam into subjects. Isn't that what we did in the kids' class? We did tafsir, we did aqidah, we did seerah, we did fiqh, we did manners, we did all of the topics separately, right? The topics, we did them all. This is one topic, this is the next topic, this is the next topic, this is the next topic. That's the first thing. The second thing that you're going to do is in each topic you need to have just a few books that you study really well. You can read all these books, don't worry. Every book in this masjid you can read it inshallah, don't worry. But the books that you really study really, really well have to just be a small number of books. Why is that? Because it's too many. So instead of trying to study all of them really well, read them all, but just have a few books that you study really, really, really well. And whenever you learn something from another book, what do you do? You take that knowledge and you write it on the book that you studied. Are you with me? Yeah, do you understand? So out of all of the books of Sirah, maybe Sirah on this shelf is like three, three of those shelves, all of it is Sirah. Okay? On there, over there, I have two shelves of Sirah books. Okay? Or one and a half shelves of Sirah books. Of all of those books, I'm just going to study one or two of them really well. The rest of them I'm going to read. Whenever I learn something I didn't know, I'm going to write it down on the book that I studied really well. So in the end, should we come back to the donkey? When I want to put my books on my donkey, I don't know what you guys have against donkeys, Yanni. I want to put my books on my donkey. I don't have to put the whole bookshelf. I can just put the few books that I actually really need them. I'll give you a different example. Let's, let's leave the donkey. Suitcase. If I said to you, you have to put the most important books in a suitcase, but you can only have one suitcase. So now you have to choose what you're going to put. I mean, if I just put one shelf, my suitcase is full. So I, I only have one shelf. All the important things, I have to put it on one shelf or two shelves to fit it in my suitcase. So to do that, that means I have to choose. But does that mean any book I can choose from the shelf and study it and then the rest? Doesn't make sense, right? I have to choose the best book on the shelf. I have to choose the best book on the shelf to make it my main book and then everything else I'm going to write it in there. Everything else I'm going to write it in that one book. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to try to go too difficult at the beginning. I'm going to start off with a book that is easy and then a book that is in the middle and then a book that is a bit difficult. Yeah? I'm going to start with the easy, then the middle, then the difficult. And I'm going to go slowly and take one hadith at a time. I'm going to finish with a story. And it's a story of a man who came to visit Imam Ahmed to get hadith. 
So he came to Imam Ahmed. Guys, listen up. We're going to finish with this story. Sit down. Don't. Yeah, don't do that. A man came to Imam Ahmed. And he wanted to learn from him hadith. Understood? Clear? Okay. He had a problem. He came to Imam Ahmed and Imam Ahmed was in prison. Actually, he was in like a house arrest. He wasn't... It's a long story about why, but he was... Because he was practicing Islam properly and they didn't like what he was practicing, so they put him in a house arrest. And they didn't allow him to teach anyone anything. The man, he said, I came all the way from... I can't remember, very, very far. From Al-Andalus. And I came all the way for you. And to learn hadith from you. He said, oh, what can I do? I cannot do anything. So he suggested one thing. He said, I will come to you every day at your house, like at your door. And when I come to you, like just I will come quickly to you. For something, you know, like people used to come and knock, maybe deliver something, take something. In that time, give me one hadith. Every day, just give me one and I will go. That man collected the biggest collection of hadith that we know existed. And he collected it from one hadith every day. Or a handful of hadith every day. It's amazing what you can do by learning just a few things every day. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, his teacher said to him, don't learn any more than three things every day. Just learn three hadith every single day. Three, fiqh, three things in fiqh, three things about what's right, what's wrong. Learn three every day, don't do any more. And he became a huge imam, great imam of Islam that everybody knows about him and everybody knows about his name and everyone knows how much knowledge he had. Three things a day. So you don't have to learn so much every day, but you have to study every single day. You had a question. I don't know, that's a very good question. Maybe you try to find a story today for me in the house, I will try to find it for you, inshallah. Yes, Mubin. Very good. Khairukum man. The best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it. And that's what we start with in our journey to knowledge. We start with the Qur'an and the hadith of the Prophet And then from there we go on and we build on our knowledge of Islam like that. Okay, that's what Allah made easy for me to mention today. And Allah knows best. It was a long lesson today. I felt like you guys did really well though, mashallah.
Sorry? One hour, six minutes. Okay, it's not too bad. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Sorry. Subhanallah, sometimes people ask me questions in the class and I forget, wallahi. The shaitan made me forget, subhanallah. Sometimes people ask me a question and I say it's important and it just goes because in a week, if people ask you like 100 questions, you forgot the first one by the time you get to the 99th one, you forgot what the first one was. So as people just remind me, if you ask me a question and I promise to answer it and I forgot about it, remind me about it. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. We'll see you guys next week, inshallah ta'ala, or at least, Ustaz Basak.